Hello and welcome to a pre-launch bonus episode of the Point 99 podcast, a running podcast streamed up by runners, for runners, talking about, you guessed it, running. In an act that will to some seem like a really backwards approach to launching a podcast, we, or in this case I, have decided to drop a bonus episode uh, weeks before we've even finalised episode one and without the assistance of my soon-to-be partner in crime. Now, it is really a bonus episode in the truest sense, uh, which will become apparent in a moment. So why have I decided to jump the gun ahead of the true launch of the podcast? Well, for one really specific reason, covering one specific event for one specific group of individuals. The event in question is the Loch Ness 24 and the group of individuals, well, it's my team. So as bonus episodes go and for some other podcasts, this will be super niche and likely of little to no interest to anyone else other than those wanting to learn a little bit more about the event or those who may have signed up for this year's event having not taken part in last year's event. We will more than likely cover more about the Loch Ness 24 during the life of the podcast in various episodes and for various reasons. But having recently managed to convince a good number of amazing individuals to sign up to the early bird offer for the 2023 event, alongside my fellow returning teammates Lee and Jamie, I thought it best to take the opportunity to let each of them know a little bit more about the 2022 event and how that went uh, and what they can likely expect when August arrives. 2022 was in fact the inaugural year for the Loch Ness 24. It replaced the previously run Loch Ness Beast Race um, in which I was also a multi-year participant. With the Loch Ness Beast Race no longer taking place, it left an opening on the site. But for anyone interested in obstacle type events in the realms of Tough Mudder but shorter distance, the Beast Race will still be taking place in Bankery, Aberdeenshire, and is set to do so again on September 23rd. In the case of filling the void created by the removal of the Loch Ness Beast Race Hour, it was a brand new 24-hour endurance event that took the opportunity to fill it. In reality, I'm pretty sure it's the same organisation company that organised both the Beast Race and the 24. The Loch Ness 24, however, was a brand new 24-hour endurance race covering a 7-kilometre trail course on which participants were to complete as many laps as they possibly could as solo, duo teams, small teams or big teams. As soon as I saw the adverts popping up on my Instagram feed, I was immediately uh, interested uh, being local to the event uh, area. It was a bit of a no-brainer. But having nobody I thought I could convince to join me, it was going to be a bit of a problem. I certainly love running, but there was no way I was going to take part in a 24-hour event on my own. There was no way I'd be able to muster that many laps. Um, probably no more than I actually ultimately did uh, as a member of a team. But uh, I suppose you never know unless I actually did it that way. Unlike an obstacle event, that is a bit of fun convincing people to take part in a 24-hour endurance running event is a little bit more complicated. With a very much shot in the dark sign up I set about trying to find anyone who might join me. 
And I will confess at this point, my brother and his friend had considered signing up, but they wanted to take part uh, as a trio, which to me was a little bit of a crazy idea as well. There was no chance I was going to subject myself to that level of punishment, especially being in marathon training, but they didn't actually end up taking part anyway. Moving on though, and taking the initiative to share the event on Instagram stories, extolling the beauty of the event's location, the organisers kindly dropped me a discount code into my DMs uh, to share with any interested parties in an effort to try convince others to join me, if not me, the event as a whole, drumming up support for the event. After months of cajoling, and by this point I'm not really sure how else, I'd managed to convince Lee and Jamie to sign up to the team, making the drive north of around three hours respectively. It would very much be a trip into the unknown to an event that was very much in its infancy, but they were on board. And further to that, we'd also managed to convince a name that some listeners may be familiar with to join a team, but also make an even further journey north, eight hours plus on the train. And that was Emma Lipstickson's trainers and her partner, Stu. A ragtag team of five individuals, if ever there was one. But looking back, I'm extremely glad to have taken part in the event with each and every one of them. Without blowing too much smoke, the support each of the team gave each other uh, and the banter around the campfire was second to none. If you don't already follow these superstars, you really should. Links will be in the description. But add to the fact that only two of us had ever met in person before, other than Emma and Stu, of course, made it even more epic. The idea that everyone had committed not only to an event that had never been run before, but who would also put their trust in each other Truly, having never met each other really goes to show the spirit the running community can often have. The same can and will most definitely be said about the 2023 team. I'm in no doubt about that. It never ceases to amaze me how welcoming, supportive and amazing people can be. Anyway, getting back on track and on to what the new recruits need to know about the Loch Ness 24. Undoubtedly, there's already a few questions popping up. What's the campsite situation like? How was the catering? Was there a bar? Uh, The true driving force for any camping experience. And most importantly, what were the toilets like? The event could be in the most beautiful tropical paradise, which it is. And with the most glorious sunshine that weekend, there's no denying that. But if the toilets weren't up to scratch, forget it. I'll answer each of the questions and more, but I'm going to do it in a roundabout storyteller way, uh, talking about the 2022 event and how we got on. Camping. The plan is simple. As the local to the event, it was my job to act as the host. Only fair, really. I had the tents, not only for myself, but also for Emma and Stu. In addition, I was also sporting the necessary camping equipment, utensils and accessories, barring an inflatable that they were bringing up themselves. The idea was to minimise the luggage that they needed to take with them to as little as possible. Sensible option. I, however, don't have the biggest car in the world, so ultimately it was still a bit of a tight squeeze by the time I packed everything in that we needed, in inverted commas, and a little bit extra. It's always better to be prepared than underprepared. Having collected Emma and Stu from the train station, we set off to the campsite well within daylight, which was great. But unfortunately, there had been a series of accidents on the North Road, 
uh, that put a bit of delay to a number of participants' arrivals, including two of our team, Lee and Jamie. So we had to make a start without them. When we arrived, it was around about 5pm, I think it was, and the campsite was at what would be around about two-thirds full. So it is advisable to arrive in good time, if nothing else, than to ensure daylight hours to pitch your tent. The organisation team uh, of marshals were, however, spot on and aware of the accidents. The original plan was to close the entry to the campsite after a certain time on the Friday, but it remained open all night. This is something that I can easily see happening again this year, but possibly not. Informing them that we were waiting for others to arrive, the marshals gave us more than enough space to set up not only our tents, but also those of Jamie and Lee, including ample room for both their vehicles before directing the next arriving participants into the next bay. Solo teams and bigger teams were directed to other locations on the campsite, as far as I can recall. But the campsite was, in fact, about half full on what it could have been, possibly even emptier than that. So there is plenty of room for the 2023 event to spread teams out and give a lot of room. Having spoken to the LN24 Instagram team, I do know the event is selling really well and will likely be a lot busier this year. Uh, But the larger campsite environment may well be on the cards. Catering. So being a little bit later in the day, the catering on the Friday night was looking to wrap up and start preparing for the Saturday and Sunday slog. So benefiting from local knowledge, we put in a Domino's pizza order. We phoned ahead to Lee and Jamie to make sure that we bagged something for them too. Um, But finishing setting up the tents, we headed into Inverness to collect some last minute essentials and the pizzas. Although I was fairly well prepared with food and such beforehand, I would say getting something like a pizza en route to the campsite isn't the worst idea in the world and will certainly be something I think about doing this year. Even though there is a pizza pasta party on site on the Friday night, if you think you're going to be a little bit later, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. If nothing more, pitching tents can be a real hunger building activity and having snacking pizza there might be the thing that stops you from breaking. But by the time myself and Emma had returned, having left Stu as the keeper to the campsite, Jamie and Lee had arrived perfectly timed and were set up. So tip one, bring plenty of food for not only the morning and snacking, but for Friday if you're staying overnight. The catering on the site on the Saturday and Sunday is constant, 24-hour and top-notch. Multiple visits and servings of carby goodness was enjoyed, including a midnight helping of mac and cheese and a portion of chips. Exactly what I needed after my second stint of two laps. Overall, I couldn't fault the catering. Even when the card reader was struggling for signal, the catering team were great. They let you have your food and gave you a nod when the card machine was back up again true Highland hospitality. So cash isn't a necessity. Card payments are possible, but it might be best to take a bit of both. Menu-wise, I can't really recall what was on offer, but I remember it being varied to cover most dietary styles and requirements. It might be confirmed neither the time, I'm not sure. Uh, The 2022 caterers were the Red Poppy a fantastic local-based catering firm, but this may be different again for 2023. 
I'm not sure if the catering team will have been confirmed yet, but given how well they performed last year, I'd be more than happy to see their return, especially given I scored a free bacon roll during the award ceremony when the catering team were packing up. Sleeping Essentials As a smaller team, we were in close proximity to another small team on the campsite. They were really separate with regards to boundaries. That wasn't an issue. However, snoring. Well, that sound travels and boy, did we have the battle of the snorers on our hands. With camper vans walling us in on either side, it was coming from one place and one place only, our neighbours. I've been told by my wife that I snore, not the classically loud grunty snore, more of the sound reminiscent to scuba equipment, so more of a close proximity annoyance than anything else. But not that that will bother anyone else unless they're in my tent, in which case the question would be, why are you in my tent? The team were, however, uh, adamant that the origination point was from our neighbours. Add to the fact there were multiple snorers and the synchronicity was off. Um, it, It wasn't great. There was no let up. I had, however, packed earplugs Uh, which were on the uh, next night a hot commodity. None of us were under any illusions that we'd be getting a good sleep, uh, but we we were a little bit more um, tired come the Saturday morning. That's all part of the charm of camping, but uh, yeah, tip two, earplugs, you'll not regret it. I should say at this point as well, our neighbours were, for the most part, uh, they were good neighbours, but come the Saturday morning, one of the gentlemen got up and quite loudly said, oh, I had a great sleep last night, to which Jamie's initial comment was, well, at least there was one person. Toilets. But what about the toilets? Like any marathon or running event, there were portaloos on site and plenty of them. Uh, they were cleaned continuously throughout the, the weekend by a rock star of a cleaner who soldiered on for hours on end. Uh, and they were also emptied at regular intervals by a tanker. We had a block of around about 10, a mere 30 seconds walk away, another perk of our location. Uh, but there was also another bank of around 20, just a stone's throw away near the event hub. Should the closer option have been busy, there was always alternatives. I am going to be really honest here and give away something that was a little bit of a secret. Uh, it might be down to my downfall this year if the setup is the same. But the 20 or so toilets at the event hub, um, there was a second set of 20 behind them that a lot of people hadn't noticed. So they were never busy. I think what confused a lot of people was there was a block of urinals uh, behind the first 20 portaloos. So that it kind of kept the guys from holding up any potential queues. But it didn't really show clearly that there was another bank of 20 behind them. Overall, however, the toilets were clean and pleasant, but I'd still recommend taking an extra loo roll just in case. The event hub. Before I get to the course or route itself, I want to give the organisers credit for the event hub, not really knowing what they might expect from the event weekend or from its participants. The event hub had plenty of space, seating and tables. There was a marquee for tables, uh, seating both inside and out, along with the caterers inside. 
there was a Red Bull tent as well, but that had less of a covering. It was more for relaxation on big soft cushions. Red Bull were there for the duration of the weekend and were handing out free cans of Red Bull, but also they had covered bins that you could uh, go to and help yourself from. Whether that will be the case this year, I can't say for sure, but definitely helped the energy levels for the 2022. Uh, the Red Bull team also kept a table on the start-finish straight, uh, stocked with cups of 50% water, 50% Red Bull, uh, to give you a little bit of a sugar boost for those staying on course to stay refreshed. Water-wise, there is also a tanker full of drinking water, but we didn't really learn its location until later on the Saturday. It's not at the event hub, it is further away, just because there may have to be deliveries and I don't really want them driving in past tents and waking anyone up. There were also cans of fresh water. Uh, they're also available for free, but again, it was only later on the Saturday we, we saw where you could get those. Also at the event hub was a coffee vendor. It wasn't free, but it is a top visit. The Coffee Rescue Scotland company uh, I'd become aware of through other events, including the Inverness Half Marathon and Baxter's Loch Ness Marathon. And I can testify that they make a banging coffee. Although I, uh, we didn't make use of them because we had coffee presses and kettles at the tents, I'd highly recommend visiting them if they return this year. In addition, there were also tents for the charities associated with the events and also seashell dry jackets. I can easily see there being more companies and vendors getting on board with the event, so it's highly possible the event hub will grow for the 23 event. The final point on the event hub is other than having the start finish and dipper points, it also had a timing tent. So just briefly, each team has a singular dibber. This is why there is only one runner per team on the course at any time. To start a timed run, you need to insert your dibber into the reader hole, as rude as that might sound. Uh, I can't recall if you then have to dib every lap. I think you do. Uh, but if you're staying on a course, you would just keep going round. If you were coming off the course, however, you had to dip out. And when you or the next runner was to go back in, you would then dip back in again. If you did forget to dip, your time wouldn't be counted. It might sound complicated, but the amazing commentator team and the event team are there to keep you right. They were rock stars. They were going through the night and they just made sure that everyone got all the time and the laps that they had done counted. As with everything, that setup may, however, change. The course. And finally, we get to the course or route, whatever you want to call it. It's a seven kilometre mixed terrain trail covering field, forestry, compact gravel and pebble beach. Be prepared for protruding tree roots, uh, stubbly sort of fields and the pebble beach. The paths are well trodden, but obviously there's a lot of observation and concentration needed, especially during the night and lower light hours. Again, the route may well change, but if it stays the same, it's a really good route. You just have to be very careful, especially in the low light night hours. Head torches are a must. You're not allowed on the course after a certain time without them. Uh, but just in case, sure footing, confidence, and you'll be fine. Being aware of the area and having run most of it before, if not the whole route, I opted to run last out of the five of us to ensure that each of the team had a familiarisation lap themselves in good light and early in the day. 
The downside to this was my double-headed lap, my 14-kilometer effort, was then in the midday sun, and that takes us to point number, or tip number three, and to quote Baz Luhrmann, sunscreen. Midge repellent is also recommended, but I think that kind of goes without saying for uh, especially Scottish people. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, suntan lotion, sunscreens, we don't know what the weather is going to be like. Scottish weather is changeable, but fingers crossed we get the same as 22, and that was a scorching weekend. So unless you're wanting a good dose of sunburn, sunscreen and midge repellent. Getting back to the route, the start-finish straight is situated on a fairly flat area, and from there you're a matter of a few hundred metres before you hit your first incline. I'm calling it an incline because I'm a Highlander, but for some, they may want to call it a hill. It's not that steep and it doesn't last that long. Some people certainly chose to walk this incline, especially after a few laps. But if you choose to power through, you'll be over it in a matter of seconds. Off the back of this climb, you'll have a brief descent before you drop into the forest for the first time. And that's your first 500 metres over. For the most part, the forest is relatively flat and you're in there for uh, two kilometres, two and a half kilometres. At around about the third kilometre mark, you'll drop to a gradual descent uh, and that'll last most of that distance before you reach a flat section that kind of opens out from the forest and takes you to the beach. Depending on when you're running, there may or may not already be a well-trodden path on the beach. It's pebbles, it's quite hefty pebbles though, so you want to try and stay higher up the beach as possible. Over the course of the 24 hours, a path did form for us. Uh, It was well-trodden and we managed to get through the beach relatively easily. The visit to the beach will last around about 400 metres and then you'll pop into the forest for a second time. And at this point, you'll then start to climb back up again. It's a bit of a slalom, though. Uh, A lot of protruding tree roots, a lot of trees, a lot of weaving. But as I say, it doesn't last long, so just be careful and you will hit the four to five kilometre mark. Once you're at the top of that gradient and on to the the fifth kilometre, it is a downhill gradient that may uh, undulate slightly, but it's a compacted forestry road. It's nothing too difficult. Uh, You'll actually enjoy the section. It gives you a nice bit of respite, a little bit of a um, chill area, especially if it is hot, you will get some nice shade. So you transition from kilometre five to kilometre six, and like anything that goes down, you then have to go back up again. Opposed to what I classed as an incline at the beginning, this is truly a hill. And truthfully, on only one of my five laps did I find myself walking it, but it's a really tough section of the course. There is 100% no shame in walking here or at any point of the course, but it is really, really steep and will get your blood pumping. By the time you reach the top, you've earned a a rest. uh, But thankfully at this point, it is flat to downhill on the 6th to 7th kilometres with the very briefest of rises as you come round and follow the perimeter of the campsite where you'll undoubtedly get plenty of support from your fellow runners and their support crews. But at that point you will follow the corner round and you'll hit the start finish straight. For me, the course is really well balanced. Our team was fairly well matched with regards to ability and pace, with Stu being the exception. Uh, So each of us had managed to do around about 
four or five laps. Uh, he was the man doing six laps, so marathon distance at blistering pace. If we had chosen to run through the night, we could easily have all done six laps, but five was enough for most of us, especially given that most of the team were in marathon training blocks and were due to run marathons just weeks after the 24. We did have some night laps uh, within the team, I think everyone barring myself, but we finished around about 10pm and waited for the silent disco. It was also at this point that I started on the windswept beer and got myself some much needed midnight snackage. Where the silent disco is concerned, our team was sadly the only ones taking part. I say team, I mean Lee and Emma, as the rest of us were quite content in just watching. The fabulous Loch Ness 24 media team also got involved, Jono and Jess, along with a solo participant. But it was a really poor show from the others on the site. I have uh, joked with the Loch Ness 24 media team about having the silent disco again. They're in two minds, but with increased number of people, you would expect the uptake to be higher. But they have said that they may throw a phone party and disco. So please, if they do get involved, it is so much fun. But at last, I think I've covered most, if not all, of what went down at the 2022 Loch Ness 24. Like I've said throughout the episode, there's no guarantees that this year's event will be a carbon copy of last year's. There will likely be changes, uh, whether that be to the setup of the event hub, the catering team, the other vendors, or the route. But before I sign off, I want to quickly run through a list of items that Lee sent me before last year's event, along with some of my own additions that you may want to consider taking if you're joining us at the 2023 Loch Ness 24. So first and foremost, and likely the most obvious, unless you're taking a camper van, is your tent and sleeping bag. You then also have your roll mat or inflatable mattress as you're not going to want to sleep on the hard ground unless you're made of iron and maybe you do. Lamp or head torch for your tent at night. You're also going to need a head torch or chest torch for nighttime running, but also for any dark hour toilet visitations. At this point, you may also want to consider battery uh, banks and like the... Uh, portable charging units. Uh, that's something that I took multiple of last year and they were fantastic. You're going to want a few bottles of water. The, as I say, there are uh, containers on site and cans, but be prepared just in case, uh, just to have something around your tents. You're going to want to take plenty of clothes to change into. Certainly if you're doing multiple stints or uh, durations on the course, Added to this, you're, you're going to want to take baby wipes to clean off. There's no showers on site, or at least there weren't any last year. You may want to take a portable shower, but that seems a little bit extreme. So baby wipes and also black bags to, or bags to, uh, to bag up your, uh, your, your dirty clothes. A stove, a kettle, camping pans, cutlery, matches, lighter or alike. Maybe consult with your team if you have one just to kind of minimise the number getting taken. Just you can share these things. They're, they're easily shareable. And the same could be said for foam rollers, bands, uh, guns for recovery between laps. Try minimise as much as possible. You're there to support each other. You're the team. So you may as well. 
black bags or bags for rubbish. We were some of the last people to leave the campsite last year and for the most part it was really well cleaned. There were difficulties in getting the bins emptied so there was a few small uh, piles of rubbish all bagged up and a few broken tents but well cleaned up by all the participants. You may also want to take a camping chair, collapsible or otherwise, and at this point I'll also say you are allowed campfires. We checked ahead of the event and fires were allowed, but as long as you protect the ground. So I took a collapsible fire uh, with a ground protector, took some wood, and it's a really good shout. It keeps the midge at bay, especially at night. There were a few Swedish candles on site, but it's not something I would recommend. They were getting a little bit out of hand and it's a little bit harder to protect the ground then. But uh, yeah, a fire is really good. And that's it. There are likely a one or two holes in what I've said. But if you're not a member of my team uh, and you want to ask any questions, feel more than welcome to drop me a DM directly on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Steve Underscore Runs or to the podcast page at the point 99 podcast and that's the numerals 99 otherwise i look forward to seeing everyone there if you're going to be joining us and you see me please come and say hi get a selfie and further the community spirit thanks to the whole organization and media team at the Loch Ness 24 if they do listen it is a monster um, event and well worth taking part in they've done a fantastic job setting it up last year and hopefully Fingers crossed we have many years of the event taking place. We love the event so much, uh, myself, Lee and Jamie, uh, that we immediately signed up to take part this year. That kind of goes to show how much we enjoyed it. Right, and that's that. So until episode one of the podcast officially drops, I hope you enjoy all your runs and activities. Stay safe, remain positive and keep moving forward.